I'm Matt Bonhoff of The Shrieker Podcast, and you are listening to Gaming and BS. All right, episode 65 of Gaming and BS, where we're talking about generic tabletop RPG systems versus specific systems or something like that we'll define it as we go we'll define it as we go i'm one of your hosts i'm one of your hosts sean and i'm brett welcome back folks and for those of you joining us for the first time thank you very much for joining yeah so uh no no announcements that i have nothing new here i was just uh, talking to sean about christmas shopping i hope if anybody out there is a big yuletide celebrator that you are either well ahead of or have decent plans to Ninja your way into the nearest shopping area or buy online, as Sean and I were saying. I think my wife has told me uh, as of like an hour ago that she has everything done for the holiday shopping. And I have, she says, we're not getting any, we're not getting each other anything, are we? And I'm like, hmm, that's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, I, uh, Susan and I agree every year that no one is getting anything for each other. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. I got a brand new pair of binoculars the other day. So I'm like, all right, damn it. Girl, <laughs> so you need these for hunting. Here you go. I'm like, oh man, it's awesome. I love them. They're great. Uh, yeah. Oh well. Now we got to find something. Yep. All right. Let's get into our random, random encounter. encounter. Random encounter. Element of the show. It's field emails, voicemails, social media comments from there, and everything else. Got a few this week. You want me to start off, Mister Brett? You yeah, get, why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Earn your keep. Gives the nod of... of <laughs> the uh, nod of a man who had Affirmative nod. There. All right. Uh, so this is... Oh, I did have a couple of notes. Well, we'll go on. I'll touch on these. So I just wanted to thank... I can almost read thank my you. notes. Checking, checking. I know. MRM1138 and D&D fan for the reviews on iTunes. Oh, very cool. Thank you. Much appreciated. So there's there's those I wanted to acknowledge quick. Um, moving on to Michael Phillips' comments on our website regarding episode 63, which is about treachery. <clears throat> and I quote from Michael, while not quite the same as a traitor, not to be mistaken for traitor, <laughs> I really like when the party contains a defector, someone who came from the side of the opposition who still has ties to them, but who has come over to the side of the PCs for some personal reason. Their own people view them as a traitor. The PCs side considers them to be possible fifth columnists, and they have personal conflict built into their very character. Well, I could see that. I I have... Ran into that. I brought it up on an episode. It might have been that one where it was like, no matter what I do, I was just slammed by a player character, and the player would not let up. <laughs> so I could you know, the, the defector traitor distinction is interesting too. I, when I think defector, I always think spy game, right? I always think some kind of a Cold War smiley's people type of thing. Right. Interesting. Yes. Oh, excuse me. And so then he goes on where. Uh, so VR will never be better than face-to-face around a table, quote-unquote. 
is absolutely problematic. It is a viewpoint that assumes you only value some aspects of gaming and or you have specific resources available. Good point. Referring to our virtual reality component um, that we had brought up, somebody had done. Yeah, we had had a post out there and uh, some folks had talked about the virtual reality and D&D. Mr. Cunnington, I think. Yes, Mr. Cunnington had uh, talked a little bit about that. And uh, that's a good point that Mr. Phillips brings up here is that it does, it is a point of view that may or may not be valid for everybody. So Michael, on, sir. So if you haven't noticed, Michael is hitting a couple points here. Um, so continuing on with, I think the VR piece, I know people prefer play by post because it enables a different style of play than face to face. They tend to be immersive character driven players. If you are writing a post, you can delve into motivations and character thoughts that are just sort of spotlight hogging in a face to face game. Virtual tabletop games allow you to play games with people who you wouldn't otherwise be able to play with. Also, as adults, our time is often tight and traveling to play a game eats into my gaming time. Sometimes it is okay to value the quote, I get to game weekly, unquote, over the quote, I get to game face to face. That's where things like Roll20 and stuff kick in, right, Sean? Where, where the game you're running for, me, Kevin, and a bunch of uh, a number of other folks, we can't all get together. We got people in the Twin Cities area. I live way out in BFE. So it's easier for us to do Roll20 and it's not really face-to-face. Right. Continuing on, while I agree that VR won't come to us from WotC, I'm less sure that VR gaming won't come from gaming as a whole, even if it is a startup that is created to do just that. I think the problem is that TSR and WotC slash Hasbro are terrible at understanding how digital projects work. Last time they did a good D&D project was probably the Core Rules 2.0 set of AD&D 2E produced by a local to Madison company, by the way, who were, I understand, forbid by a startup that never managed to get more than a beta of one feature for the 3.0 tools. I had a friend of mine who actually worked for that company while he was in Madison. My, uh, Seriously? Yeah, yeah my, my uh, gamer, uh, my, one of my first game masters, Eric Schaefer, worked for them. For a little bit, it was. Uh, I got some insight into the the weirdness of the games of the the tool set and how they built it, and it was kind of wonky. But it was. I I I have uh, I have my copy of that anyway. Carry on. Uh, they have since then hired companies that were willing to accept very low budgets for very large feature sets, which usually means underexperienced development teams taking on huge projects without adequate funding, dooming the products and creating space for several gaming companies to create competing products that actually work on their own time and budget. Yeah, pretty much. Yep, I'm with you. I do think uh, my son and I, my oldest boy Connor, 16, we were talking about VR gaming and stuff the other day when I was picking him up from uh, Pet Band. No one cares about that. But Pet Band? Story. So, so we're, in, this, we're in, the, uh, in the car coming back. He said, boy, I'm really excited about gaming. I'm like, what, what, what are you excited about? He said, the whole concept, he goes, this whole virtual, because he saw my virtual reality post on, uh, on, on D&D. He's like, that could be really cool when it gets to that point. He said, by the time I'm your age, because he thinks I'm like practically dead, well, yeah, um, we like, should probably already be there. And this will be really cool. And your grandkids will see this cool stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay, first off, you made me feel old. So I almost threw him out of the car. Um, well, other than that, I, uh, I agree. It's got some, it has some really kick-ass potential. And I do also think that companies like Watsi and others, when that's not your sweet spot, as Sean and I can tell you, there's a certain point within the IT world or anything else where, or business in general where if you're doing well, you look at what your core competency is and go, hey, we don't do this thing. 
I'll job that out. I'll give somebody else license to do that. I will farm this piece out. And you've got to be able to, uh, to find the right companies to do it and fund them appropriately. And as Angela points out to me, no, I did not. I, I, I know I should not throw children out of vehicles. So I waited till it stopped. And then I pushed them out gently in the driveway. I thought that was more appropriate. Yes, very good. And I think speeds under 10 are just fine. Yeah. Well, he's 16. He can handle about 15 miles. Oh, shit. Yeah. You can bring it up to speed. It's not, I mean, those, those little tykes, they can't, they take, they can't take the concrete as easily as them teenagers. (sighs) They just don't tuck and roll like they used to. Anyway. Moving on. I'll take the next one. Yeah. Go ahead, man. (laughs) This is a nice and short. I like this. Uh, Episode 63, Treachery, Mr. Roger Braslett on Google Plus said, I had a character who was killed and replaced by a doppelganger during his watch one night. The DM gave me the chance to play the party doppelganger and I ran with it. Four settings later, the party came across a rain of wishes. When my turn came, I wished the doppelganger home along with the party treasure. No regrets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who has dirty, not, dirty bastard, who, Roger. I love you. Who has not been who has not been able to play a doppelganger, either as a DM, GM, or player character dupe in the party? That is there's nothing more fun than that. It is. It's always good. That one was short, so I'll take the next one for you here. Episode 64, Holidays, um, some G-plus comments. Kyle Kiesler says, I always wanted to, to uh, incorporate Festivus from Seinfeld, TV show Seinfeld, um, into a fantasy game as a Christmas-type holiday. It's already fantasy slash D&D appropriate. An unadorned Festivus poll, the airing of grievances, and the feats of strength. The poll could be the center of whatever village of PCs go to. Just a plain poll with nothing special about it, but maybe tables being set around for the oncoming feast. But of course, no decorations. The hearing of grievances could be fun. Just random NPCs walking around insulting and saying what their grievances is. Grievances are, excuse me, with the PCs or neighboring NPCs. Um, this could be funny, especially if the PCs have no idea what is going on. That's always kind of interesting. The stranger in a strange land type of thing where you're like, oh, holy crap, this is what y'all do. The feats of strength, says Carl, can be just the different strength challenges like wrestling, king of the hill, or whoever can lift the heaviest wife or something, etc. It can be topped off with a festivist miracle, uh, granted that the village that participates in the holiday. Um, maybe the village cow produces sweet milk for a year or two and the town's rival stops fighting for a day. Town rival families stop fighting for a day. A festivist for the rest of us. I like that, Carl. Very nice. Yeah. Next one's yours, Sean. Festivist for the rest of us. Roger Brasslet, double header. It was great to hear from Sean this episode. It was a bit of obvious from the get-go what he was up to. I don't know what he's talking about. You had your shit together last time, dude. It was, I was taken aback and stunned. Wasn't quite sure what to do with you. That's how I, that's how I roll. Keep people on there. You played possum for like 60 episodes. (laughs) Bam. Wait till six, wait till episode 64. 64 is the magic number. Then he hit the button and he was off and running. It was almost a dual episode with holidays and timekeeping, which is true. Because if you're dealing with the holidays and you want to make sure they come around again or not, then you kind of, it's something to look into. Mm -hmm. Some of the background stuff was a bit close to real life. The stuff you try to escape when role playing, visiting your family for the holiday. What? You don't want to like have your fantasy RPG or whatever role playing game mimic your real life. I don't understand that. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna play my next character's name is gonna be Brett, and then he is gonna be married yes. with five kids, and I'm gonna see if I can, I can keep my sanity about me. Yeah, you're gonna end up looking <laughs> like this. That's what's gonna happen. Oh my god! 
exactly. No, I'm. There is. I mean, fair point. Uh, fair point that Roger has there is that there's this. <clears throat> sometimes we've talked about this when we chanted about modern role playing. Sometimes people want to escape or uh, at a certain level when you play RPGs, you want to escape to something that doesn't have the same type of feeling. So if you don't play the low magic, dark gritty, or even dark gritty isn't right, but the kind of um, realistic, you know, whatever that may mean to you, that may be something like, look, I don't care. I don't want to have to go visit my mom, my character's mom. I just want to have an adventure. Yes, we get, we run into Mardi Gras or we happen to be Yuletide in Russia during whatever it is. We don't, I don't want to have to worry about the, the dealing with my family perspective, totally legit. I could see not necessarily having to do that, which is probably one of the reasons why so many player characters are uh, orphans whose parents were killed <sighs> by orcs or some variation on that theme. So you don't have to worry about that damn family. Actually, one of my uh, one of my players in my old vampire game um, was reading through his character's background. We're introducing characters. He's talking about his wife, his mother, and all this great family stuff. And the table stopped, looked at him, and my buddy uh, Alpha said. Ha ha, you have living families. Brett's going to own you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had a tendency to kill those people. But anyhow, so next one, yours. Yeah. Okay. So this one is a blog post from Paul Daniel Siemens, um, who writes about the Firenut Festival. So this, I think he he must have listened to us, and he's like, "Oh, I did a blog post on that prior to our prior to our show," and so I'll, it's not very long. We'll put a link in the show notes, but I'll read it quick. Throughout the summer, there are many festivals and gatherings. These usually follow a full moon and celebrate a successful moonberry harvest. The Firenut Festival, on the other hand, is held four days before the first full moon of autumn, in anticipation of the harvest of the bright red firenuts. In contrast to the other summer festivals, this one is celebrated jointly by all the forest denizens together. Each year it is hosted by a different group. The festivities include a nut hunt by the children, feats of strength, speeches by community leaders reflecting on the past year, and a friendship dance expressing goodwill between variant groups. This is when a dwarven delegate makes a symbolic assertion of Delver dominance over the region by announcing any new laws or variant rulings made in Valley. The dwarven presence at the festival tends to be somewhat aloof and is usually limited to a couple from the lumber camp, a delegate from the city, and a representative from the shrine of Bogomos, Bogomos. The general feeling that pervades the event is that of a last hurrah of summer before the long isolation of the winter months. I thought it was well-formed, and I like the idea. And, uh, you know, I know that's... I like it though. It's it's the cool part about when you do these things is you take the bits and pieces that make any festival you're used to that you've heard of, twist it around a little bit. Say, how would I have a feast day Thanksgiving in <clears throat> Greyhawk? How would I have it in Avalon? How would I have a Christmas type holiday on this uh, forest mood of Endor? How would I have this over here? And just kind of wrapping it into stuff, the different components, not only just religious, but all the secular pieces that go into it. That's it can be a lot of fun. Again, even if it has nothing to do with you having to go talk to your family in character, it's uh, it, it's still cool. It makes the world more alive. Yeah, so that's a good one, Paul. Thanks for sharing that. I hope you don't mind if I read it over the air. And I think if uh, I mean, maybe I line by saying steal it, but. No, if it's out there and it's a good idea, 
you know, uh, gamers were, uh, we cannibalize the crap out of stuff, right? Somebody's got a really good idea. If it works, um, what he's outlined there in the, in, uh, in that one, the fire nut festival, I think it's worth uh, taking a look at and, uh, hacking up if you need something. Yeah. All right, let's get. Are you in. saying my connection's bad? Is that what you're saying? Yours, Sean, I hear this in the chat. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else is getting it on on their end. Yours, yours yeah, is kind of wobbling and pixelating. And if it's me, let me know, guys. But I think it's <clears> I think it's Brett because I always blame Brett anyway. He's out just, there. He's out there with like a, like he's got a couple kids on the roof. They do. They've got tinfoil <laughs> hats. They're just kind of holding just slightly off to one side. Yes. I said three o'clock, not six God o'clock. All right. God sakes. Topic of discussion. Hey, this this week I don't have an intro. So for people that like, hey man, those stupid topic intros, I don't have one. Congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> Anyways, topic of discussion. So when Brett came up with the topic and he was talking about generic systems versus specific systems, I'm like, eh, what? And so Brett, you want to introduce, because to me, the topic, right? I was thinking, here's where I was thinking, like, oh, okay, generic systems versus not. It was, it was too academic for you, Sean. Let me break it down to layman's uh, terms for you. Hang on a second. <clears throat> so, Sean and I have been, t- have been blabbing off on the side, off and on, um, about different game systems and engines. And, hey, I could do that with this. Or, yeah, I could use Fate for that. I could use this for that. And it brought to my mind, I remember ages past in the dark ages uh, when we used to uh, I would argue with my friends back and forth around hey <clears throat> I had a buddy man who's a GURPS fanatic he's like I can, I love GURPS because I can do anything with GURPS same rule system I can do anything another friend of mine I like basic role playing I can do anything I want with it I can play D&D with GURPS I have GURPS <clears throat> it's one system I can run anything it just totally makes sense and I've started so that was in my head and I started looking back at some of the game systems out there now you see things with Phrases like powered by, powered by the Apocalypse engine. You see um, um, things that say, hey, it's an engine. It is a, it is the system that it's based on. And is that the heyday, if you will, or the, or the, the push to have this universal, generic universal role-playing system, which is what GURP stands for, of course. Uh, having this generic thing isn't as easy or as well received i don't necessarily think at least um what i see in the gaming community i see more genre specific things being more uh being more accepted now there are exceptions to this and i want to talk about that i'm thinking savage worlds i'm thinking fate is kind of these big overarching engines that people use to power things that i don't think um excuse me i think do really really well and uh, i'm kind of trying to figure out why right so the underpinning behind this is sean and i were talking about trying to get different uh, more focused topics for 2016 and talking about this type of uh, game system will help i think sean and i at least underscore between us what some of our definitions are and uh, maybe help lead some of our discussions in the future so sean if i said i like generic game systems what does that mean to you I, that's that that's where I'm a little bit confused, Brett. Okay. Why do, are you confused, Sean? How could you be confused? Well, I do hear a little echo on my end. Uh, I don't. I don't think it'll come through on the audio. Anyways, makes me sad. I know. So generic system. I would wonder if you were talking about a class system or one that is not class system. So for example, oh, skill, like a skill based character, like a call of Cthulhu type of thing versus a D and D class. Well, maybe, um, like GURPS cause it's 
generic universal role-playing system. Yeah. Right? So it's not, you're not lumping a character into a specific role or class. However, however, you could look at it and say that a generic system is not tied to a particular genre or setting. I see, when I say generic system, I think not tied to a specific genre or setting. What I'm seeing now more is things like Fate, and I'm going to pick up Fate and Savage Worlds. I see Fate and Savage Worlds being more um, uh, style-driven, perhaps there's a a better phrase out there. Kevin uh, Kevin in the chat room is talking about this a little bit, I think. And Fate helps you game in a certain way. Savage Worlds helps you tell a certain type of adventure story and it's fast and furious and all those components to it. And I don't, the concept of GURPS, if I tell somebody, Hey GURPS, you can do um, any genre, anything you want. You just use this mechanical system behind it. I think gamers now, the ones I know, the one I, the ones I talk to and I read about on Facebook and Google plus and I, I meet at cons, they want to talk about, Oh, I like to play this type of game. I like to play, or have this type of story artifact be the type of end result, right? We want to play D&D, but be more character or story focused. I want to play um, a sci-fi game, but I really want it to have that Star Trek kind of space opera-y feel. And people I talk to see a game like GURPS, or even basic role-playing, and they say, it's kind of there, but it's just rules, rules, rules. It's mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. And it doesn't support something like Fate does. You've heard the guys in Misdirected Mark, if you listen to them, talk about Fate as kind of a writer's table game. Savage Worlds is very pulp-oriented and how it approaches things. And by focusing a generic system like Fate or Savage Worlds on a style of play, I think is giving those games more success in my minds. In my minds. I have multiple minds, apparently. In my <laughs> minds than, um, than something like GURPS had or could have when compared between and maybe it could be just a uh, a flow within the the gaming ether and how all this stuff uh, becomes popular or not popular but Sean what is that so I rambled there a bit what do you think so just for the sake of this discussion you are talking about games role playing game types that are not tied to a particular genre or setting Am I understanding that correctly, Brett? You are, sir. When I'm talking generic, that's what I'm talking about. Excellent. Overall, that I mean, I would say that's overall generic. Okay. That's fine. So, yep. Beneath that, or kind of connected to it, to me, are kind of what I would consider genre generic. And that you have D&D, Pathfinder, um, Rollmaster, World of Darkness, and possibly gumshoe and where I, so what I mean by that is those that, that those are taking it even a little bit further saying, look, we want to tell a certain type of story at the end. We want to have certain mechanical components, but they're even more focused, not necessarily just on the style, but on the setting, the genre itself. Gumshoe is based on investigative role-playing. That's what it's there for. D and D fantasy gaming. You can tweak it a little bit to be more gothic. You can be more high adventure. You can be lower, uh, excuse me, high adventure, high fantasy, low, low fantasy, gritty, dark, Pathfinder, similar. Rollmaster is a very generic fantasy system. Um, World of Darkness is that gothic punk or um, 
uh, excuse me, yeah, Gothic Punk was how <clears throat> it was first built. It's still kind of an investigative, dealing with the supernatural, very gritty, uh, brutal type of thing. So I initially had thought, you know, Dungeon World, Apocalypse, Savage Worlds in this place, but I'm t- t- I think I want to take that out and leave that in the larger component. Those are very style-based, where these other ones are more genre-based. And that's how I'm seeing things, at least the way I'm looking at the, uh, the game systems right now, how they're kind of split. Where things that are very generic style, like, hey, I like to play Fate-style games, I like to play Savage World-style games. And if you want to play a D&D style game, it basically says, oh, you like to play fantasy and with the D&D powers and so forth. It doesn't have the same larger overarching where I could take a fate game like uh, Phil Vecchio did over at Misdirected Mark. And, you know, he can run a a fantasy game with that and he can run um, part time gods of fate with that and still have a style of play that allows it to fit multiple genres. I lost you. I totally lost you. No, no, you haven't lost me. And I did, I gotcha, but I'm just trying to figure out whether. So having said that, so we've, we've specified the differences. So I understand now I'm on the same page as you. Yay. Yes. The win for me. It takes yeah. me a while. Woo. Yay. For those listeners who say rambling, I'm positive they're talking about me. So no. <laughs> I, finally, I finally got you on somewhere. But so that's fine. Yeah, I ramble. And I think that is good. Now, some people would say that you can still play what you would classify as a generic system that is still setting or genre specific. So you can play... Like they have the science fiction companion for Savage Worlds. They have the fantasy companion for Savage Worlds. So yes, it may not, those may be, those are, I don't want to say they're afterthoughts, but they did come later than the core game. Well, GURPS used to do the same thing. There's yeah, the GURPS, GURPS core, too, and then yeah. there's GURPS fantasy. And then there, I mean, the hero system that was Champions was based on. There was hero that that had Western hero. There's GURPS, uh, there was GURPS vampire. There's GURPS um, tune. GURPS Bunnies and Burrows, I see on my uh, my shelf over there. Um, GURPS Voodoo, all these components that help you tune your generic system to a certain type of genre. And that's where I see Fate, Fate Core, and so forth, and Savage Worlds. You want to play Savage Worlds Rippers. That's a very, it takes the Savage Worlds awesome overall stylistic perspective and, and puts that style over a genre. It says, hey, <clears throat> here's a way you could do this. Um, you want to play Savage Worlds uh, Fantasy, Shintar, Sean Patrick Fannin. You want to play High Fantasy, he has taken the Savage Worlds approach to storytelling, the Savage Worlds approach to the system and the types of uh, gaming you're going to do and let, and kind of spread that style across his world. So I think that having those um, splat books or compendiums or components yep. that come that come in with it is really cool and it helps somebody who... <clears throat> like you and I and other and many other gamers, I don't have necessarily the time to say um, I want to develop a whole world. Now, granted, I've talked about how I'd love to do that, but sometimes you're like, look, I want to play something quick. I don't necessarily have the time to just sit down and and blast through something. So, if there is a Savage Worlds, you know, dark sci-fi game I want, or if there's a Fate horror game, part-time Gods of Fate. Thank God, I'll go grab that thing. I'll work with it. It's pre-built for me and pre-tuned so that I can play the genre, but I know I'm going to have a fate experience playing this setting. Oh, Oh, I got something for you, man. 
Hit me. Hit me. So Nova Praxis. Uh, just if I could just reach like eight feet that way. Nova Praxis was, I believe, a Kickstarter. Might have been where it originated, but it was for Fate. Okay. And then it was converted to Savage Worlds. So what well, happens? Part time Gods of Fate was a different system by Eloy Lasanta, Third Eye Games, and converted to Fate. What system was it originally? I can't recall offhand. I, I, I knew you were going to ask me that, and I don't know offhand. Yeah, so I think that, um, so having said that, I, uh, the reason I was like, well, hold on a second time out, because when you get, wh- when you when you say, yeah, that's a, I don't know, it's, it's a fate setting, or it's a fate. You're going to have a fate experience. Compendium, yes, a, yes, yeah. yes, yes the experience. I'm going to have the Savage World experience playing Shintar. Right. And somebody somewhere probably has a hack for Shintar in D&D, right? Because you can. Right. Sh- sure. Okay, sorry. I totally stepped on you. Yeah, Keep no, going. I think, I think it, yes, you're right. So I just wanted to make sure that um, talking about a, a compendium or a setting and it converts over to a different system. See, I think what we are teetering on is... When you create a system, uh, when you have a system, shit, not a system, setting, uh, setting, setting. When you have a setting and that setting is based on rules, because we've talked about this before. We've we've talked about how some of them have meshed, right? There's a reason yeah. like, there's a reason why fourth edition was not modern, right? Like, oh, where's the modern version? Or um, Pathfinder, there's not a, a modern version of that game right yeah, there was a there was d20 modern d20 spycraft d20 right. d20 d20 but d20 called cthulhu but at a certain point when it went to pathfinder and 4e and now a 5e and pathfinder unchained they're like yeah this is kind of a fantasy game that's what we do with it so when you think of the system and the setting and if they're tied together to facilitate a particular game or a particular what are you trying to get out of the game? What are you trying to facilitate? So for example, if you're blades in the dark, which I will plead ignorance, I did kickstart it, but I haven't downloaded any of the beta rules or anything. Um, if you're interested, check it out. Um, Jonathan Harper, who also did lady blackbird, right? Lady blackbird, the Mustang, so um, you, ghost right. echo. So ones he, he is trying if, and my, I could be wrong. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's very thief oriented, right? It's kind of a heisty kind of game. Yep. Absolutely. So if you are trying to facilitate that setting along with the rules to complement it. So again, going back, maybe not even that example, but dread very, very brief, slim down rule system game uses a Jenga tower to build suspense in accomplishing something in the game. So when you're going to pull something out, you're like, oh, man, I hope I do this or shit's going to hit the fan. And then you pull it out and you're like, oh, and the, the tower doesn't fall. And you're like, yes. And there's a sigh of relief. So the rules facilitate some of the setting. And, and Dread is a suspense-driven kind of horror-based yes. game. Mm-hmm. So when we start talking about those two things kind of meshing, I I wonder 
like where the generic space and that where things facilitate. Ah, I don't even know how to articulate myself in this episode. So, so I think I, so this is, this is hitting me now as we're talking through this, which is kind of what I, one of the things I like to do with you here is frustrate me through this a little bit. But <laughs> as you and I hit a certain points like this, sometimes I get, so I hit, just hit this thing here. And what I'm thinking is, um, so what's happening now? I used to, if you listen back, I can't remember which episode it is. Again, start with the one, listen forward. Right. At one point I say, fuck the rules. You know, I don't care. I can game master, blah, 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 blah. Now, the more I have dug into this with Sean, the more I've talked to the guys that misdirected Mark, the more I've listened to, you know, Ken and Robin, done more reading and really kind of opened up that piece that I, that kind of that statement I made. I'm like, okay, does it make sense or not? And <clears throat> I know I've said this before where, how do I do this? So certain, if you have certain mechanics, it helps to, instead of having to send the author of the game system in every box, you mechanic it so that you can, quote unquote, play it right or play it the way the author intended, that helps. So I think what's happening to me anyway is I'm looking at certain game systems and saying, I really like this world. I like this concept. <clears throat> like, so Amber, uh, I like playing Amber. I like the setting. I have a lot of fun with the characters. However, I don't mind the system. The number of my players in my group, my pantheon of gaming gods, as we've talked about, um, some of those guys don't like the Amber system. However, I am willing to bet that if I were to say, I'm going to play Amber, but I'm going to use the fate system mechanic behind it. We're going to engine this sucker yeah. with fate. People would be like, oh, okay. <clears throat> I think I got that. I'm going to, I'll, I'll give that a try. Or, I'm, hey, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to use um, John Wick's Houses of the Blooded. Well, okay. So why, why, why would you want to do that? So what, the reason I would want to do that yes. is because people are not, um, <clears throat> the Amber system itself, people are not in my group. Some of the guys, and ladies I've played with don't appreciate the type of gaming experience that the Amber system provides to them. So when we use the mechanics that are there as soft and squishy and quasi non-existent as they are, they don't comp, they don't grok them appropriately. They have a hard time figuring out what to do with it. They don't quite get it in itself, but fate has a little more, it's a little more modern slash a little more crunch. We can go, Oh, I roll some dice. Amber is totally diceless. Well, right, um, right. Fate would say, oh, I roll some dice. So good. That, that's helpful. There's a bit of a randomizer in there. And I understand the concept of aspects. I understand the concept of, hey, I can give somebody this aspect. I can tag them. I can do this thing. I can force certain actions to happen. You can do all of that in Amber. But the way the books are re- written, as they were back in the early 90s or when the hell they were produced by uh, uh, Wujek, um, you read it, it's not that clear. Fate is a clear, better defined. So is Houses of the Blooded by John Wick. I could run Amber with Houses of the Blooded type of system, and that would also apply. So if you look at your group and say, boy, we really like this setting. We love the genre, but we like the system, the style of play that Savage Worlds provides, that Fate provides, that um, something you know, so one of those quote-unquote generic systems provides, Apocalypse World. I can... Either I can do it or somebody like Evil Hat or somebody who's got tons of hacks out there. Like, hey, somebody's already hacked it for me, thank God, on the internet. But I can take that system and I can merge it in there. And I think that helps to improve the game experience by some of these systems that provide a better style of play than the original system itself. God, I totally went off the rails there. No, I think that's good, man, because I'm like, 
I kind of have to nail this down a little bit because it can get into ambiguity pretty damn quick. And I think that, uh, I think it's, I think it's good, but I think it all has to do with preference. If you like for, in your example, you talk about the folks that don't grok Amber, but they'll grok a different type of system. Maybe there's fate and there's dice and there's mechanics that are easily is more tangibly, uh, kind of that soaks, it hits with them. It's like, I get it or whatever it is like, and that's fine. But I wonder if some systems, if, if, if it's too, if there's too much of a, um, oh man, how do I, again, if the system and the genre is all tied together to facilitate something, then I think you're going to lose something. So if you're like, Hey, we're going to play gumshoe and I really like gumshoe, but right. But it doesn't, but I want to make it something that it's uh, not. Yeah, pretty much like, well, if like it's not saying, a mystery like you're I like i want to play gumshoe but it has no mystery there's no clues. I play gumshoe dnd i want to use gumshoe yeah. and, and kill goblins and kill the orc that's hiding that's guarding a pie in a room exactly right? it doesn't make any sense no it doesn't and that's where i think older generic systems and i'm looking at gerps here and the old hero system mostly in my head um <clears throat> those tried to be everything to everybody from a mechanics perspective, look, I can have ray guns, I can have superpowers, I can have this stuff, but it was very mechanical based and it didn't focus on to me or overtly focus on anyway, a style of play. And I think <clears throat> where you say, look, I want to play D and D in my Avalon world. I want to play D and D, but I want to be kind of rules light. <sighs> I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And if I look at the systems out there, I'm like, you know what? D and D really fits it pretty well. I can do that. However, there's aspects where like, you know what though? Um, what if I wanted to play a fantasy game that was very investigative and there really wasn't a lot of dungeon crawling? There's no killing orcs and, you know, worrying about, you know, the liches I worry about are more manipulating and it's all story based or and it, it really I'm not going to crawl through anything. Then I would think, you know, the new world of darkness system, I could do that. Fate shit. Fate would do it. Savage worlds would do Savage worlds would actually let me be pretty fast and loose. No, I don't want to be that pulpy. So some of these engines that are that are out there right now, the Apocalypse World stuff or Dungeon World and so on, they're really cool. And I think the the thing I'm liking more about these systems, and they're not new to a lot of people out there, but as I'm delving more into them, is the it's so glaringly obvious to me as I read them and read about them, it's all about the style of play. I like the Fate style of play. I like the Savage World style of play. I like this style of play for this game or all the time. And instead of saying, well, we're going to play fantasy, so I have to play D&D, Rollmaster, these are my fantasy games. Well, I want to, and then trying to shoehorn Brett's game mastering skills on top of it to facilitate a style of play when the mechanics don't necessarily help with that. Then I have to hack the shit out of it. I have to add more components. I got to tweak stuff. Now, granted, sometimes you're going to have that group that won't play anything other than D&D or Savage Worlds or whatever. So, I mean, that that's not necessarily the topic for today, but I guess what I'm saying is that I'm seeing more of these style of play generic systems. Maybe that's a better phrase or there's something, there's probably some other word in English that I'm just not coming up with right now. But I think that type of thing is really helping the hobby because people who like a certain style of play now have 
a mechanical base that they can say, I like the way this works. I love playing Savage Worlds. You want to play Savage Worlds sci-fi? Yeah, fuck yeah. I like the Savage Worlds style of play, man. Pat, boom, boom, boom. It's fast, it's pulpy, it's cool. I want to play Fate because I like this piece. I want to play Gumshoe for all my investigative stuff because I like the way it works. Instead of saying that it's it's GURPS, it's D&D or whatever it is. So I think style of play is more important now. And I, I think that's really cool, I guess, is where I'm coming from. Perhaps that, again, why I went way the fuck off in nowhere. <laughs> All right, we're going to shut so up now. Sean, the whole, turn. the whole episode can be summed up as, hey, style of play is pretty freaking cool. That's fucking cool, dude. And scene. And scene. There. Well, Good there's a, a glass of whiskey to get to that yeah. point. God damn it, I'm there. There's a whole, I mean, there's definitely a lot more options than there ever has been. Um, style of play, I think, I, I do see what you're saying is, what do you prefer? St- style of play. Urgh. Style of play, I grasp as being like what you're saying. Oh, Savage Worlds is fast, furious, and fun. You know, apocalypse, Powered by the Apocalypse has moves or whatever that is. But a lot of those Powered by the Apocalypse world games are, I mean, a lot of the core is the the die mechanic. It's the ten and above, the seven to nine, and the you know the six and below. You know, fail, fail with you know, or succeed with uh, repercussion, and then completely succeeding. Those I think are universal across the powered by apocalypse world games. But they are and that's all, a style of play, right? It's a narrative component to it that if you were to play. Pathfinder, you do not have. Well, right? if you attack somebody in Pathfinder, you miss, you hit, you hit critical. That's it. There's no you hit with advantage. You do this with a disadvantage. That shit doesn't exist there. No, that's a near. That's a style of play that Apocalypse World, a dungeon world game, is going to play, feel, and look differently than a Pathfinder fantasy game. Yes, I concur. But also. D&D game is almost similar. Absolutely. To like Pathfinder. Absolutely. They're 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 the tree limbs are not dramatically No, it's a pretty it's kind of a plank really. It's more like, you know, a piece of wood with a with a couple of nubs off the side. It's kind yeah. of the same damn game. So, I think now there's of course you if you get in some of the indie game space. I, I touched on Houses of the Blooded by um <clears throat> by John Wick. That's that's his answer to a vampire LARP where he said, you know what? I don't like this. I think this is a better way to do it. And his system in House of the Blood, a vampire LARP has a tendency, um, I don't know if anybody's ever played that out there, but I played a little bit of it and I read the rules on it. So a lot of times what happens there is that the, the mechanics around that game system <clears throat> for vampire LARP are not designed such that it forces you to interact with people. You oftentimes have someone, and John Wick has said this many times, where someone is not um, doing anything with information. They're kind of sitting back, arms crossed. What are you doing? I'm just, I'm just sitting, just holding data. They're holding information that could or should be used. The Houses of the, of the Blooded, it's encouraged mechanically with the different points and ch- or excuse me, chips and stuff that you spend in the LARP version of it especially to force people to interact, to have the interplay of knowledge and data transferring back and forth and so on. Um, <clears throat> That's a very specific, very specific um, variation on that LARPing theme. Now, if I were to take that same type of approach and say, look, you know, one of the problems I have with Amber is I don't have enough 
mechanics, right? I really don't have something that people can chew in to force people to talk and make things happen. You know what? This houses of the blooded thing where people have a pool of points that they can divvy out and spend back and forth. And the best way to get an advantage is to gain more points by giving some away and so on. I think that um, I, I could see a group saying, you know what? I love the concept of Amber, but I don't like the game. Well, guess what? Now I can, there's a, it's a style thing. And some of these newer and newer is a terrible phrase, but some of these generic components that other games are putting out there, like, like fate again, um, it really applies really well to all sorts of different, all sorts of different genres. That's the, to me, the, the attractive component to some of those. And I think Kev, Kev Thulu over in the chat room here says that it's kind of more about cha- uh, choosing the right system for the type of game you want to play encouraging that tone that style during the um during the uh, excuse me during the gameplay itself and i think that's really important because i i've i've talked to a number of people who who didn't like who didn't like gaming when they first played i played dnd i didn't like it and like okay and how do i explain to this person that there are literally hundreds if not thousands of different fantasy games out there that do not play like dnd what a disaster What's that? What edition? <laughs> exactly. Even if I just take the five what, editions of D and D, what a hole? Slightly know, different. What a hole DM? Exactly. I mean, but there's so many different um, pieces out there. Kind of blah 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 blah. So I guess part of this is is Brett coming back and saying, you know what? Yeah, the rules do matter. The system does help. It helps to encourage and enforce a certain style of play. And um, I'm seeing that. The more I've dug into this stuff, the more I am having a harder time with, you know, the, the concept of the old school generic was what's in my head, right? Because I'm 42. I've been dealing with this stuff for, you know, God knows how long. And thinking, well, this is how, you know, generic systems are like GURPS. And, oh, this is very, this is, uh, <clears throat> this is D&D or this is cyberpunk. And you, this, that, or the other thing. It's all very game and system are all encapsulated. Yeah, and I started to look at my D and D worlds and going, you know, no, it's not. It's not always been that way. D and D often had, you know, when Sean played D and D, Sean's world was different. Greyhawk, when Sean ran it, was different than when Lenny ran it. Was different than when when Phil ran whoa, it. Whoa, 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 whoa! What, what's different? The setting? No, not necessarily. No, not the you're setting. Like, the, you, see, your style of play. I'm talking. Well, style you're like of play. when Sean played D and D. Greyhawk no, no, I'm, was I'm, different than what Bray was playing. Greyhawk. The yeah, Greyhawk is, is referencing is, the system. Or the yeah. Setting. It's the world. Yeah. It's the world. So what I'm saying, though, is that it was the style of play. When Sean ran it, he ran it a certain way. And when Brett ran it, he ran it very, this, you know, anything. Um, it, uh, certain things were canon, certain things were not. You're and still talking about setting, though, again. Yes, which is, which is um, kind of where what happens is then the mechanics of D&D that are connected to that setting. Yeah. Sean has a different style than Brett has and Phil has. So, yeah, yeah. okay, guess what? Basically, Phil was running Fate. Brett was running D&D 5e and Sean was running Pathfinder. You know, uh, there just wasn't, it just was, it was essentially that type of thing. You were more mechanical, crunchy based. I'm again, picking on you for no yeah, sure, reason, right, yeah. but I was a little bit looser. And then when Phil ran, he was, you know, all fade all the time. That's how he approached his games. And I think that, um, do, 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 do. I lost where I was going. So I'm done. Anyway, no, dude, keep going, man. Bring <laughs> no, it back, lost. bro. I'm trying. I don't know where I was going. I totally <laughs> lost myself. Totally lost myself. I'm like, God damn it. Uh, oh, oh there's some big reveal there. That was just, it was like fucking mind blowing. It, it was, was right, right there. It was right there. Oh, it was right there. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> so when Sean and I talk oftentimes, maybe this is where I'm going. We talk about hacking different games, essentially, right? 
Sean, you just locked up. Is that? Just uh, me I think it's you, dude. Did I can hear you. Did I lock up. You locked up. I, there you go. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, you locked right. up. So anyhow, I'm sorry. What's that? Yeah, I think you locked up, man. I think he's. I might think have. you're good. No, Kevin said you did. You're Who's anyway, he? <laughs> you. Can you be more specific, um, please? <laughs> really John, seriously, go. I'm gonna brain somebody if they're downloading crap on my internet right now. <laughs> So anyway, when we give general gaming advice, we talk about hacking systems and stuff, saying, hey, you know, the Dungeon Worlds, the Apocalypse uh, engine there has this great bonds concept. Something you can bring into another game. There are components of different game systems. Like, look, I really like D&D 5e. I'm missing a piece. I'm missing this thing. I'm missing bonds. I'm missing drives from Gumshoe. I'm missing this component. Some of those pieces, if you love the core of what you've got, it's easy if you will to hack it to a certain point to add in different components i think though that if you're playing pathfinder or rollmaster or gumshoe or savage worlds you're like you know geez i just the savage worlds thing it just doesn't seem to have um it, it's close but not quite if you take the time to kind of codify what you're looking for you know it's generic enough that if you're working this fantasy game with Savage Worlds or uh, a, uh, a steampunk game with Savage Worlds and you start looking at the Fate engine and what you could steal from Fate to tack into your Savage Worlds, there's a certain point of diminishing returns there where I've stolen so much Fate to add to Savage Worlds. I've stolen so much Dungeon World to add to my D&D. Why the hell aren't I just playing Dungeon World at a certain point? If I've stolen so much stuff to pile on top of and to add into this game system, Okay, maybe everyone it works and so on, but there's a certain point where, like, you know what? I really ought to just give Dungeon World a shot and run the damn thing, or I really ought to just try Savage Worlds to do this because I'm already stealing so much of the game system. I agree, man. And in the voice of my buddy Tim Jensen, I know he's—I don't even know if he's still listening to the show. He was at Gamehole Con. He's, he's always sick of our shit. <laughs> he's a big, yeah. He just always wants to reach through the microphones and choke both of us. But he has always been, and I always used to get in uh, discussions with Tim because he's like, if it's not, if you're playing a game and it's not doing, <laughs> Angela's one of them too. If it's not doing what you want it to do, you don't play that damn game. Or if you're taking like so much, like, hey, the bonds from Apocalypse World or Dungeon World is really great. Oh, and hey, the die mechanics really awesome because the GM never rolls a die, and you know it's fail forward and it's got moves and fronts and all this other stuff, and it's really super cool and it's all narrative, you know. And then what happens is you get. Then I get talked to somebody like you, Brett, and you're like, oh, dude, I could totally do that in my D&D game. I don't need a system to facilitate that. Well, what the, it's like, well, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second here. What's wrong here. with you? Like, so, What's your problem? Yeah, right system, right job, right right setting, yep. whatever it is. And I think and that's... It's, it's rare to be 100%. Yeah, right? I mean, you can't get, you know... When I play Star Wars is a good example because there's been how many freaking iterations of that role-playing game? West End Games, they've done. So they did West End Games, and then I think they did a second edition of West End Games. So there's two editions just with West End Games. Then it was uh, D20 at Watsi. Then it was D20 Revised, right? Because there was another revision in there. And then it went to Saga, and then it went to... um, then it went to Fantasy Flight Games. They got the yep. license, and now they're doing Edge of the Empire and Force and Destiny and Age of Rebellion. And then also, don't forget about the Savage World hacks and the Fate hacks and all those other hacks that are not hacks, but all those game systems using the, and, and setting them in the Star Wars world. 
So you could have like you could play four different Star Wars games and all of them be they feel different, maybe. Right? So but the but the the creatures are the same. There's hyperdrives and transponders and you know, you got the force and all this other stuff, but then you got the system that changes a lot of that and how it works in the mechanics, which could drive somebody absolutely crazy, man. So do you prefer if you're going to play a game, I say, hey, I want to play a fantasy game. Do you have a go to system or do you say, look, if it's powered by fate, I'll play it. If it's powered by Savage Worlds, I'll play it. I mean, there are people who are like, look, if it's D&D, I'll play it all day long. If it's Pathfinder, that's my thing. I, I like World of Darkness. Basic role playing Call of Cthulhu, that's my, that's my shtick. Um, do you do you have a preference if I say, hey, I want to play a fantasy game? Do you say, oh, it's got it's like D and D? You want to play D and D, or do you have any? I guess do you have a preference, or do you like, oh, as long as um, as long as it's powered by Savage Worlds, I don't care. Do you ever think that, or does that not enter your brain? So I've never played fantasy in Savage Worlds. I've never played fantasy in GURPS. I've played fantasy in D&D, Pathfinder, which to me are just this. I mean, let's just lump them all into one bucket it's, for it's pizza. D20, F20. There right. you go. And Dungeon World. Okay. I think. And I think those are the only times I've played fantasy besides the different iterations of D&D. First, second, ed, whatever. And I would have to say that if I wanted to... So, when I unloaded some of my books, I'm like, I got rid of all my Pathfinder stuff, except I still have the core book and a couple others that I couldn't unload for a variety of different reasons. One, all the stuff's free out there. So why buy all the books? And secondly, I said, I'm done with Pathfinder. I'll, if I'm going to play fantasy, I'll play D and D. A couple of different reasons. One, okay. no, 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 I get it's it. the latest and greatest, whatever. It's, it's something that I prefer from a rules perspective, it's a little bit lighter. It's not as crunchy. Uh, it, it seems to be doing what I like from that space. And I can use any system or system. I can use any setting now or in the past. I can use all the old modules. I don't, you know, I'm not tied to anything specifically. However, I do like Dungeon World a lot. And I would have no problem doing that. So I don't have like a, per if somebody said, Hey, I want to run a Pathfinder game. I'd say, okay, fine. It wouldn't be my preference, but I wouldn't throw a conniption and say, no, absolutely out of the question. Cause I'm not like that fate. I don't know enough about it and haven't played it a ton. Or if somebody was playing a fate fantasy game where I would say, Oh no, forget it, man. I would probably play it just for the fact that I haven't played fate and I would just so want to be exposed to it. You're a style of play slut. Basically, you'll go where you go to whatever system it takes you, man. <laughs> I'll sleep. I'll sleep with any system, baby. <laughs> exactly. So, so no, I don't have anything that would that would that I would say absolutely not. I, you know, I would probably like basic role playing. Maybe I don't know. I don't okay. Know. Uh, I mean, there might. I mean, I would probably say that's my not my preference. Maybe I'll see how it goes, and mm. then I'd probably bail if it if it was not like my thing. But to me, it's like, if I'm going to play fantasy, why would I not play D&D? It's the 300-pound gorilla. Now, I know people are going to be like, dude, there's so many other ones that are just as good or better and all that other stuff. But it's like, yeah, that's true. Well, when you're but when you're looking for fantasy, there's a style of play that D&D provides for you. You're like, oh, I like that. I like magic missiles. Well, I like fireballs. And, I like and with 5e, it's a little different because I think with if, if it was really 
I mean, fourth edition, I didn't like playing D and D at all. I didn't play D and D period. I didn't play fourth edition period at all. Zero. Um, but I think that, I don't know, man. I think it's like, well, what am I, you know, I pick up a book and I'm like, Hey, oh, this is a new fantasy role-playing game. Like the one ring or something. I'm like, why, what is this game going to provide that I'm not getting out of D and D? And I don't know that answer, but to me it would be like, well, what's the point? And I think that's a, a really big piece of our hobby, good or bad. The good is that people are, they like their thing the bad is they like their thing and they're never, they're like, why would I try anything else? And so they never get into anything else and they never experiencing anything else. And then they're just kind of set in this like box, which is sometimes, you know, kind of like, Oh, you only play D and D. Oh, you only play D and D at your house with the same four people that you've been playing with for the last 25 years. It's unfortunate. You haven't gone it's out. It's a cool hobby though. It's like guys else. that have been playing poker with the same crew for the last 15 years. You like it? You're having a good time? Who cares? You're shoving the same $20 across the table. Really? It doesn't well, matter. Right. You're having fun, right? Yeah. And it's not a harp on the people that go about it no. that way. It's just like, Hey, I'd really like to, you know, my groups, I'd be like, Hey, I got this dungeon crawl classics. And they're like, well, really? What's that? Or dungeon world. Like, Hey, just let me run this. I just want to run it by you guys and see what you think. You don't have to buy the books. There's not an investment. I'll run a one shot, see what you guys have to think about it. And it's more or less just to get them to kind of think. And honestly, my, the way I like to look at things like that is I like to try like dungeon world or gumshoe or whatever it is, savage worlds, just so I can kind of get an idea of what's kind of cool in those systems and what's not really cool. And then maybe it'll help me be just a better GM or a better player because I could take Maybe it's not even the mechanics piece of it, but the way the system runs, I may look at it and go, wow, this is much, much more unique. Like Dungeon yep. World's narrative. There's no, hey, D- Dungeon World and Pathfinder. Okay, the difference. I enter a room, roll, QD20 roll around the table. I look around the room. I got a 20. What do I see? Okay. Dungeon World, I enter the room. And then is okay. The lights are on, and there's a there's a bed, there's a chest. Okay, I look under the bed. Oh, I up the mattress. I look under the bed. I pull the mattress to the side and that side. I look under the pillow. I, I knife the pillow and the mattress. Is there anything in there? No. Okay, I go to the chest. I open the drawer. I pull out the drawers. Is there anything taped a to the dungeon bottom world of the or dungeon or DCC? Dungeon world. There. Dungeon. Okay. World. <clears throat> yeah, dungeon world. The narrative piece. Okay. okay. Yeah. Dungeon crawl. I mean, you can incorporate that into D and D, but I or even Pathfinder, but it's just not. So what you just said there, I think that's the apart from I collect for a couple different reasons. I collect game systems. One for nostalgia because I like to have some of the stuff I used to play, <clears throat> and then when I parse through it and look at some of the newer systems like Dungeon World, even Dungeon Crawl Classics, it's a slightly newer take and older thing. Um, Trail of Cthulhu, um, new take on something. I devour that stuff so that I can tear through and find components that will either make me a better player or a better game master. That's what I start looking at different components. So when I'm reading Fate Core, which I got from uh, the Dungeon Master, does a prize during Game Hole, um, when I start tearing through that, I'm like, oh, this is a cool thing. I think I could do something better with this. I think this tool, I could add to my toolkit, my tool belt, whatever you want, euphemism you want. I think this would make me a better uh, game master or perhaps a better player. So that's how I'm seeing some of these systems i've actually stopped i guess i'm so much more focused on style of play i'm like i know how i like to play i know how i like to game i want to find a system that does that for me has one system done everything brett wants to do no that's totally fine so what i'm doing is i'm spending my time reading these new systems stealing shit 
that I think fits my style, fits my group style that I can incorporate in. And that's kind of what I think uh, you and I have been talking about probably for the last 60 some odd episodes. <laughs> it's the, shit that we've stolen back and forth from other areas uh, that we like. It's the quest of the ultimate system, the holy grail exactly. of role-playing games. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what? Oh, I need to buy and this. It, and it's different for every one of us too, right? There's yeah. Sean's perfect system. There's Brett's perfect system. There's Phil. There's Kevin. There's Angela. Everybody's got their perfect system out there. We just haven't found it quite yet. Or maybe maybe some people have and more power to you. doesn't exist. All right, man. Have we gone on long enough? Shall we yeah, move on? Yeah, I think so. Let's move on, shall we? Um, I don't know if we did that right or not, but <laughs> let's see what we can do. All right, let's get in. Let's get into die roll. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of, points of gaming or geekery we want to bring to your attention. I have. Brett has four. He, yeah, came out strong. He brought it this week. He even yeah, gave I even, me I one. even threw one to Sean. Sean was under the weather the last two days. Which was weird because I'm like, huh, I don't remember putting that on there. And then he's like, hey, I gave you one. Her, her. So now I feel like kind of a schmuck because. You gave I, me one last week, dude. You helped me out last week. So here I am. Yeah. Brett's getting back into the groove of things. Anyway. So uh, backer kit for the new Delta Green. Um, link out there in the show notes. Basically for folks who didn't get in on the um, on the Kickstarter, another option, different way to get in on the new Delta Green stuff. So take a look at that. Um, a D and D inspired alphabet for kids, which I think is just kind of cool. It's a Dungeons and Dragons inspired monster alphabet. Uh, I've got kids clearly, as I've said many times in the show, it's always fun to see that stuff. My daughter is, uh, and my youngest boy, like I print this stuff out and they'll color them and make up stories with them. It's just a blast. Um, number three, Samurai Jack. For those of us who like the old Samurai Jack cartoon, Adult Swim has announced a new season of Samurai Jack which is supposed to come back, um, I believe, next year. So I'm looking forward to that. Love me some Samurai Jack. <clears throat> and the last one, a little dark and brutal, is there is, a, there is a creator's project that this guy is making rugs, like bearskin rugs, that made to look like the skin of gangsters. If you take a look at this, it looks like you get some nasty, you know, skinned dude <laughs> laying on your floor. It's just... It's one of those things that I saw that my first my first thought went to for those who understand uh, the original uh, world event uh, Darkness Vampire that just streams screams Zemisi to me. So I, nothing I'll have in my house. Thank you very much. But uh, if nothing else, perhaps some neat gaming fodder for somebody else. Sean, over to you, sir. Yeah, man. Skin of gangsters. Top that. <laughs> All right. So number one, I might even <clears throat> compete with that. So number one, Defender Gaming Initiative, I thought was interesting. So my buddy Matt Jackson on Google Plus, who I think gave us one five minute listen and said, You guys are you guys talk too much and too long on a podcast, posted this on Google Plus, which is uh, a gentleman, I, I believe, I don't remember who I don't know if he actually names himself in this um, in this article, but he's talking about December of last year, he launched Defender Gaming Initiative as a way of giving back to the veteran community uh, that he is a part of. And so I think it fizzled out and he wants to kickstart that again. So I thought that if you are interested in getting into that, um, so it is to help veterans. Um, They go through some pretty crazy shit in the world. And if they can come back home or if they're in uh, service and can play online and kind of open up a little bit, uh, to some of the things that they've, they've 
faced or whatever that is. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it therapeutic in any way, but nonetheless, it may be something where I get on roll 20 and run a game through these guys. We'll see, but uh, check it out. I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, Tell you what, dude, I have met a number of gamers over the years and I am willing to say at least a quarter of the men and women I've met who are gamers are uh, military. They're vets. Yeah. Either saw, I mean, they were active duty, either saw, either saw, you know, were deployed or not, but tons of people that I know, uh, Marines, Army, Air Force, you, you name the branch, I've met them and they're like, oh yeah, I played D&D a lot. Oh shit, that's the only thing that got me through when I was stuck in Camp Lejeune or whatever it is. And holy crap, it's it's a big thing in the armed forces from what I can tell. So it's pretty cool. Um, so they do have a Google Plus group um, that you can just log on to and, and kind of tribute or see what they're posting and, and things of that nature. And you could find out uh, how to help in that way. Anyways, link in the show notes. Uh, Car Wars base rules that were originally out there by Steve Jackson Games is now free. So all you suckas that bought the PDFs <laughs> when they re-released them, now they're free. So, this is the original stuff, so I'm assuming the re-release may be updated. I don't know enough about it, but once they kickstarted, I got to imagine they're going to recreate the game because I don't think the rules for the original Car Wars was all that great. No, I think uh, Phil Vecchio said it on one of the one of uh, I posted this out in our uh, Google Plus community or on Facebook. One of the two he communi- he uh, commented on saying it's really cool, but something about my my older right. my my adult big forty year old fingers can't quite handle the little chits. The scale is really small. Sean and I have talked about this. How it'd be fun to have like a big table at a con and run like oh. matchbox size version of this. Can there was a it? set piece at Gen Con one year. It was phenomenal. It was like a huge, you know, it must have been like a a seven by seven table. And it had like a parking ramp and a highway and all kinds of stuff. And it was really cool. And that's, man, if I had some time and space, maybe, but I don't. So, but anyways, and you know, and produced by our, our friend uh, of the show, Steve Jackson and Steve Jackson games. <laughs> so yeah, we should get around to recording that guy. Love you, Steve. Um, number three, tabletop deals. I think uh, is Mo run this thing. I think Mo runs this, doesn't he? I'm gonna feel. I'm feel. I'm gonna feel bad if it's not Mo. I thought Mo runs this. Mo Tusano. So follow him on Twitter um, or search for them on Google Plus. They put out a lot of board game deals, uh, mostly board games. There are some card games, and on occasion they do throw RPGs in there. Um, so I think I think Mo runs that. And he asked on Twitter, he's like, "Hey, give me yes, you can give me a shout out there." And I said, "Well, let's see what I'll we can tell do. you, man. I have." I was looking into buying a couple of different board games. Uh, the Duke was the one of the ones I purchased recently, and I reached out to um, I reached out to Mo and asked him directly via Google Plus, and I said, "Hey man, um, what do you think about this game? I'm thinking about." And Mo Mo's a gracious guy. He knows his stuff. He's like he's he is the Canadian god of gaming. He knows a lot a lot of stuff. Um, He's one of those guys, you want a third party, no bullshit answer or uh, perspective on a game, especially board games, ask Mo. He will tell you. <laughs> he knows his stuff. Good, good man. So if it's not Mo, then I apologize and somebody should write in and go, dude, it's not Mo, it's me. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, well what I said still stands. Mo's a top notch dude. Still, yes, he He's is. still an awesome man. Yes. So. All right. So I think that wraps up die roll. Hey, let's talk about our sponsor quick, Michael Althauser <clears throat> at Grayed yeah. Out Productions. Maker of fine dice bags. 
custom yes, he is. tool drawstring, tough as Man. nails. Brett? Yeah. Are they custom tough? stuff, tough as nails, always tough as nails. Ran one over with my Harley, still holds dice. God damn it. Good stuff. So for the holidays, pick one up for your favorite gamer. Pick one up for yourself, too. Go out to out, G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. Use the promo code GAMINGNBS and get 10% off your order. And, and don't forget the mega sale he's got going on. He's got a mega sale. Anything that's in his store right now that he's got is out there on his on his uh, Etsy site. Check it out. If he's got it in, site, in store, excuse me, he can get it in your hands. Of course, Christmas is coming really freaking quick. So uh, if you're going to do it, get on the stick, people. That's right. So, yes, I think that wraps up the show. We want to thank folks like Kevthulu and Joe Swick for being top patrons and other patrons that have contributed to our cause. One thing yep. one thing I will put out there that we don't talk much about is we do have an email list. And you can go to gamingnbs.com. And there's a little sign-up on the right-hand side. We don't send out a lot of... We haven't sent out one email yet. But in case the show ever, you know, we get an outage or something, we can send out an update or we want to let you know what's going on or what we're considering, we'll go ahead and do it through our email list. So feel free to do that if you're, if you're interested. That'd be great. Is our survey still active, Sean? Our survey still is still active, yes. If you haven't taken the survey, feel free to do that. We'll put a link to the show in that to the show notes as well. Otherwise, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.